Welcome to the Nick's State of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Danny Small, back for another jam-packed episode we've got for you today. Uh, We have myself, Chip Murphy, and Matt Castillo couldn't be here, but we have Jeff Campbell filling in to bring some of his Alonzo Trier and uh, draft expertise to the show. Uh, But first, have you heard of Good Pods yet? It's a new app. Kind of like a mix between Twitter and Goodreads, if you know what Goodreads is at all. Um, And it's a place where you can follow friends and podcast hosts to find out more about their podcast, find out what podcasts they're listening to. Um, And it's essentially just a place for podcast creators and podcast listeners to connect, uh, to play play their shows. Uh, It's a very, very new app, very interactive uh, but we, Nick State of Mind, we're on there. I'm on there. Uh, go on there, follow us, follow myself, um, you know, follow at pretty much everybody from ESNY that's on there. Uh, you know, it's not a huge community yet, but we're just kind of seeing, uh, seeing what we have there. So give Good Pods a check, a check um, you know, just see what it's all about. It's a new app, trying it out and see uh, if it's a new way we can kind of connect with our listeners. But Back to the Knicks stuff today. We're going to start out, I just mentioned, we're going to start out with a little Lonzo Trier and some roster stuff, but the meat of the show is going to be draft talk and more specifically that 27th pick that came from the Clippers. But I'm going to open up the floor to our guest, Jeff Campbell, today because he was uh, Mr. Alonzo Trier for a little while. So with the news that he's, he was waived um, and the Knicks brought in Theo Pinson kind of as his replacement, uh, we figured who better to start us off uh, and talk about this move than than you, Jeff. Yeah, man, Danny, thanks for having me on. Um, first, uh, yeah, you know, I, everybody in the ESNY Slack knows that I was a really big Trier fan. Um, I just uh, and and Chip and I talk about this, you know, frequently. I think we we uh, I know he's not a huge Trier guy, but I we I think we like guards or wings. You know, we we tend to gravitate to them a little bit more, especially if they can score. Uh, and I just felt that you know, for what we invested in Trier, um, undrafted, you know, coming to the Knicks uh, gets I, I believe that two way uh, deal. I think it was four point five million this year. Um, you know, just based on what we saw from him in his first year. Uh, shooting off the dribble, three-point shot, uh, really, uh, I think, an above-average ability to break down the defense, uh, get past defenders. Uh, I think that those skills alone in today's NBA are really, really uh, valuable. So, you know, and, you know, he's not the youngest kid in the world to, for him being, what, this was his second year in the NBA. I think he's 24. Um, you know, so, but I, but I'm going to preface this, like, I have a lot of Trier love, right? Like, I, I definitely would really, really like to see that kid succeed. But I understand why the Knicks did it. Like, I'm not super upset. Uh, I want him to succeed. And I really wanted him to succeed on the Knicks. But I understand why, um, you know, the Knicks were not going to pay him, you know, most likely. I don't know what 
a future contract holds for him in terms of what type of money he's going to get. But where we are right now in the development of our franchise, committing anything outside of a one-year deal to Trier, um, given you know the little sample size that we have to judge him on, would be really kind of like you know, inappropriate, you know, like, I'm not, you know, it just wouldn't make a lot of sense, you know, for an organization that's kind of like in our place right now. And, you know, I, I totally, you know, I read Bobby Marks's tweet about, um, you know, I, I think it was what Danny, did we get a trade exception? Uh, or, or, or no, Theo Pinson's deal doesn't have to be fully guaranteed, I think until a certain point. Uh, and therefore it becomes like an easier trade chip and that could help us. And listen, with Leon Rose in the building um, and a potential Tibbs hire, all of the signs are pointing to at least um, that we are going to be in the market for a big trade, potentially for the next disgruntled star. So, you know, if Theo Pinson makes that transition easier or somehow, you know, better for our team, good. But I do personally believe that we lost talent um, and I think he's going to be a talent that's going to be in the NBA for a while. Um, I personally believe that he can be a starter, a starting two, even with defensive inefficiencies. Um, But, you know, we'll see. He's, he's got a lot to prove and um, I I'm fully expecting him to be on a roster uh, come next season. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I guess <clears throat> just kind of piggybacking off your point, um, you know, I'm not necessarily the the biggest Trier fan. I think he, he had a lot of flaws. But if you're going to do one thing really well in the NBA, scoring the basketball is it. Like <laughs> That's better than, you know, shot blocking, defense, uh, you know, being a good facilitator, uh, anything like that, if you're going to score the basketball, that's the number one skill that you can have to kind of stay in the league. Uh, just, you know, with, with Trier, it's just, is, is all the other stuff going to come along? And then, you know, and I don't want to kill the kid too much because these are only a couple, you know, incidents and reports and things like that. But, you know, you saw his, his teammates didn't always love playing with him. I mean, he had a blow up with Tim Hardaway Jr. that, you know, was on the court and then it turned into something bigger, you know, later on um, when, you know, he had a DM after, you know, a, a James Harden hit a game winning shot. He had the DM to the fans saying it was, it was essentially, it was Tim Hardaway's fault, yeah. which, you know, you don't do that to veterans in the league, like Tim Hardaway, you know, that's just not a good way to kind of ingratiate yourself to your teammates. I know him and Trey Burke had a couple, you know, back and forths on the court, you know, when Trier would look him off and things like that. Uh, plus, you know, Mark Berman uh, of the Post reported, you know, he was generally one of the last guys picked in scrimmages at practice, you know, I guess presumably because he doesn't pass the ball, so no one wants him on their team. Uh, and, you know, just kind of all that stuff. He's still fairly young, so he can he can get around all that stuff, and he's still he can score the bucket, I mean, or he scored the ball. So – I mean, with, with all that said, I think he still might have a future. Um, but again, I don't think the Knicks were, uh, were kind of were wrong for this move just because you brought it up, the money situation. Theo Pinson gives them a little bit more flexibility type thing. Uh, I think maybe – I mean, and not that this is the worst thing that could happen to Trier because he made 
decent money these last two years, but him playing out of that two-way contract and onto the roster kind of like almost sealed his fate with the team that, you know, he had such, you know, four and a half million, I think qualifying, you know, holder, you know, whatever it is he had, it was just too much money for the Knicks to go with, you know, that's Ron Baker money where, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. it just, it didn't make sense for them to keep him anymore. But like you said, I, I think he'll he'll latch on somewhere for next season at least, and we'll see what happens there. Chip, uh, what what are your thoughts on uh, on the big guy Trier getting uh, getting axed? Yeah, more than anything, I think this was a financial move. Yeah, I mean, like you said, four and a half million dollar qualifying offer. They signed him to a two year seven million dollar deal in December of 2018. That's a lot of money for an undrafted free agent, $7 million. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't have to give him that much money, and that was obviously a different regime. Leon Rose is in charge now. He has no ties to Alonzo Trier. Mills was high on him. Rose either isn't high on him or has no opinion on him whatsoever. It's probably more the latter. Uh, he doesn't know him very well, I'm guessing. It didn't seem like Trier was very happy with his situation this year, and I don't think the Knicks were too happy with him either especially considering they just let him go. Uh, And I think, Jeff, you mentioned the deal with Pinson where it makes him very tradable. I think that had a lot to do with it too. I think the the Knicks really wanted to get their hands on Pinson when they saw him become available because they're going to try and swing a trade. I don't know if this is as much about basketball as it is financial because they obviously weren't going to bring him back. Uh, And they obviously wanted to get their hands on Pinson too. But – there's also the chance that he's never going to play for the Knicks anyway, even though they just brought him in. But as a Dotson fan, I do like seeing this because I do like Dotson more than Trier. And I do know that there was no way they were going to bring back Dotson and Trier. So I prefer point. they bring back Dotson. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not surprised by this at all. It's like you said, four and a half million dollar qualifying offer is too much money for a guy who played what 12 games this year 22 what was it 12 22 I always get confused I think it was 22 yeah but it was like in the 20s but I mean it was a lot of garbage time I mean how many I don't know how many of those games were actually like legit minutes um yeah I looked at some of his highlights when I was preparing for this and there were so many games when they were down 30 points and 35 points and there was like the Bucks game yeah he got so many like meaningless uh, highlight reel uh, buckets mm-hmm. when they were down 25, 30 points. It was pretty crazy. But yeah, he had like, uh, like Jeff said, I don't want to knock the kid completely because I do like players like him. He is clearly a talented player and I think he's going to catch on. It's just, there was no real room for him in New York right now. I just don't think there was. Yeah. I think, I think he was a bad spot. Here. Um, he played well against the Nets. I think we had one early game in, in I don't mm-hmm. know, it's November. Uh, I forget when, but um, he kept us he kept us in it. I think we were like floundering around like a 10 plus point deficit or maybe we were up. I forget exactly what it was, but um, he played well around that area. But yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's one of those things, too, I think the Knicks are kind of uh, in a tough situation too, because I could totally see him playing well or even coming back and hanging like 20 or 25 on the garden. And you'll have a lot of people that will come out and start, you know, 
putting a lot of like Knicks for yeah. stuff out there. But I think honestly, you would have a hard time. And, I, and I'm a huge, huge Alonzo Trier guy. You would have a really, really hard time justifying to your fan base or just like anyone with knowledge of um, the salary cap. If, if the Knicks somehow gave this guy anything more than a one-year deal and, you know, if, if, if somehow they were going to forecast off this season that he was going to play well in the future, I think you'd have a hard time justifying that. So it was really, you know, it, it just wasn't going to happen, you know, um, but we'll see. I think if he gets in uh, the right spot, um, clearly needs to, you know, improve on defense. I mean, he can, I think he can really, really be a huge asset for a team, but you know, ball is in his court. Um, I'm sure it'll probably be a humbling experience, at, you know, to an extent. Um, and hopefully when he gets that opportunity again, you know, there's other parts of his game that are kind of uh, developed. Yep. I think, uh, I think that's kind of a good place to leave it off with Trier. Uh, I think we're all kind of in agreement. Wish him the best, but just wasn't the right situation. Uh, so moving on, we're going to talk some draft stuff. And like I said in the beginning, more specifically, because I think a ton of people are talking about the Knicks lottery pick, which we're not even quite sure where that's going to be. So it's tough to kind of forecast who they're looking at at that spot because they could go anywhere from, I think, down to eight or maybe nine all the way up to one. So there's a lot of uh, there's kind of there's there's variables there. We don't know exactly what's going on with the top pick, but we do know from the Marcus Morris senior trade that the Knicks have the 27th pick, which is the Clippers, which I don't know exactly if that can change with records and the the eight game schedule type thing. I don't remember those exact rules, but knowing where the Clippers are, kind of you know those teams at the top are more or less solidified. I think they're pretty safe in that 27 right now. So that pick right there is essentially, you know, not going to change or anything like that. Um, so we figured we'd take a deep dive into that. Some options uh, for the Knicks. I know just the three options, generic type options. They can either draft a player there at 27. They can use that pick to trade up and get a guy higher. Maybe they jump back into the lottery, use some of those Mavs picks, something like that, or they can end up trading out of it. I think me personally, I think it's more most likely that they'll just draft a player. They might trade up, but I can't see him really trading out of that pick. Um, so I guess I'll open the floor if you guys have any players, any anybody that you want to kind of dive into here for someone that they would take at that 27th pick. I got a couple guys here, but uh, I'm curious to see what, you, what your guys' thoughts are. You guys want me I got to a few. Up? Oh yeah, Jeff, you start out because you know I'll, better. Um, I, I I'll say this: like I think, um, I think if they do trade the pick, um, you know one one instance that I could I could see them trading the pick. I was just listening to a podcast. Um, the twenty twenty one draft is is going to be pretty loaded, and you know I think it would have to be you couldn't just trade the twenty seventh pick for you know uh, equal value probably next year you'd probably have to add something with it to maybe get closer to the lottery in uh, 2021 coincidentally I do believe one of the the picks that we're getting from the Kristaps Porzingis trade will hit then but there's like 
8 million qualifications that come with that. So I'm not 100% sure if it's going to be 2021 or 2023. But um, I, I think that if you are looking to trade it, I would say targeting the 2021 draft is something that I would look at just because I think I, it was actually, I think the guys from uh, posting and toasting that they were, they had a, a draft expert on who essentially said that the first eight guys that go in the 2021 draft, he would take number one in this draft over any, you know, of the guys that are, are here. So I think that just gives you an idea of, of how loaded it can be. Um, but in terms of players to target, I mean, there's a lot, but if you're the Knicks and we've all heard it before, they have to be targeting shooting and playmaking. Those have to be the things that whatever players we get, they have to have that in spades. We saw how critical floor spacing was um, to our roster this year, having Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, um, or at least guys that we thought could shoot didn't necessarily do that. Um, or just guys in general that, that can space the floor and play make, uh, that's going to be crucial, right? So we need to have that. So there's, there's a couple guys that I'm looking at. Um, they're both guards, but one guy I really, really like who I'm almost positive will be there at 27 is Malachi Flynn. So uh, he's a point guard from San Diego State. Um, he was top 10 in uh, box plus minus, and uh, I believe um, win shares as well for the entire nation. Uh, his analytics are off the chart. He's a really good shooter. He's got a great step back. He could shoot off um, the dribble as well. He's a really good playmaker in the pick and roll. He's got very good vision, can move and pass in tight spaces. Uh, the thing that really draws me to him when I'm looking at his tape and I know that this is not going to be a huge factor for everybody, but I like this with a ball player. I mean, he plays with an, an immense amount of swagger. Like he, when he is on the court, he truly believes he is the best player on the court. Uh, he's not big. He's 6'1". So you have to factor that in as well. You know, is he going to be able to finish through contact um, at the professional level? Defensively, he's not great, but I think he's serviceable. Um, but that's a guy that um, I would really want to target. And then another guy who I've just been kind of doing a little bit of research on, a lot of mock drafts have him in the second round, but based on some of the interviews that he's been conducting, I've heard that he's been shooting up a little bit. Uh, Jared Butler out of Baylor. Um, he had a really good sophomore season compared to his freshman season, averaged 16 points per game as opposed to 10 last year. When you see this guy's shooting form, it's clear that he has spent countless hours in the gym perfecting his shot. His shot is very compact. There's a quick release. Sometimes it starts off a little bit lower, so you're worried about if he's going to be able to get it off amongst uh, taller defenders and at the professional level, but um, it looks very good. He's a guy that he's like more of a combo guard. He's, I think he's 6'3". Um, but you know, I, I would not say he's like an elite playmaker, um, or anything like that. I think he averaged like 3.5 assists per game, but he has good vision. Um, he's a very good mover without the ball. You know, I, I think, um, defensively, there are some issues there as well, but those are the types of guys that I would want the Knicks targeting. 
um, you know, again, playmaking and shooting, like that's got to be number one for us, I think. Yeah, I think I'm actually – well, you're Malachi Flynn. I kind of have a very similar guy to him, um, you know, an older, you know, quote-unquote older guy because he's a senior. But Cassius Winston from Michigan State is someone for me where – if they don't go, if they don't go Lamella Ball, they don't go Killian Hayes, they don't go Tyrese Halliburton, you know, one of those guys, you know, if they they just decide to go for a, a wing or you know Obi Top and somebody like that, and they pass on a point guard there, I think their best option is to go with a guy like you said Flynn or in you know my guy Cassius Winston. Winston shot over forty percent from three in his career at Michigan State. Four years he was. 380 in his freshman year, but, you know, he didn't have a huge role. And then 497, 398, 432. So he, he, can, he can stroke it from the outside. He can uh, – this actually – his senior year, he only averaged 5.9 assists. That's lower than his sophomore and junior years. So you know he can, he can distribute. He can be like a true lead guard in that sense. Um, and the way I kind of look at him is maybe he can kind of be like similar to what a Jalen Brunson is, you know, maybe one of these, these late first round, early second round, these experienced point guards that come from a good program that is known for, you know, producing really good players and Winston can come in. I don't know if he can be, you know, the answer at point guard and, you know, the, the future starter there for the next 10 years. I'm not quite sold on that. But if you can get a serviceable backup who can also kind of flex into, you know, a starter's role now and again, I think that's not a bad idea. Uh, and then, you know, kind of thinking about, you know, uh, actually the athletic piece that was, um, you know, all their front office expert types with the salary cap, um, you know, team construction, all that. They talked about how, RJ Barrett might be used as more of like a lead initiator, like a lead ball handler, I guess, kind of a la um, Luka Doncic or James Harden, not necessarily a true point guard, but someone that they kind of lean on to initiate the offense. I think Cassius Winston, I know he played pretty much on ball the, the like pretty much the entire time he was at Michigan state, but that three point shot he has, you know, you could kind of see him being like that Jalen Brunson mold where you know, he's the point guard technically, but, you know, Luka Doncic takes over as the lead initiator as the game goes on. If they want R.J. Barrett to be that lead initiator, you can have him take over. Winston kind of falls back into like a a half-and-half half role almost. Um, so I think if they do pass on the point guard at the top, I think they got to go with, you know, Winston, Flynn. Um, you know, another guy had written down Trey Jones who – not so much with the shooting. He's more of a defensive guy, which I don't know if that's exactly what, you know, he's exactly what I would want to see the Knicks take there. But with that said, I think that 27th pick, if they, if they pass on a point guard at the top, they're going to have to, they, they have to take a point guard there, either there or, you know, if you want to wait until the second round. But it just, to me, it, it makes sense to go with one of those older veteran types that can come in and, you know, won't exactly need, you know, two years to kind of get his feet wet. Um, it's always tough for point guards when they come into the league, but you would hope with, you know, one of these experienced guys, the transition would be a little smoother. Yeah, I had Trey Jones too. Yeah. Um, the Duke guy. So, yeah, Duke guy, yeah. Um, but 
I mean, for the same reasons you uh, said, I'm a little hesitant on him. He struggled with a shot. He was 36% this year. That's kind of misleading because he was so bad his freshman year that he really, like, he was 26% on threes his freshman year, 36% this year. The fact that he worked this hard and got this much better is encouraging, especially because he's, I think, 78% on free throws. So that's really good. And he's a smart passer. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's a good defender. Uh, I think that's probably his greatest strength is his defense and mm-hmm. his basketball IQ. Uh, he's not a great passer. He could improve as a passer, but he's a very smart passer. Uh, and he was two times all defense at Duke, ACC Defensive Player of the Year and Player of the Year this year. But he really, you know, he's small, 6'3", 185. He shot 43% at the rim this year. Uh, that's really bad. Yeah, and that's probably always going to be an issue because of his size. But he kind of shies away from contact at the rim, uh, struggles with shot blockers, as opposed to, like, Dotson from Kansas, who mm-hmm. just goes straight into it and finishes against those guys. Uh, he's not as strong as a guy like that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I really like him, obviously, because he's from Duke. But uh, a guy who I was really looking at, because I was looking more at Biggs, I really like Jalen Smith from Maryland. Uh, I saw the two videos I watched. The comparison was Serge Ibaka, and I really saw that in him. You know, big guy who can shoot. He ran the fast break really well. Uh, He can run the pick and roll. He can run to the rim. He can pop out and shoot threes. He's a great shot blocker already. He runs really well. He's a great rebounder, average 10 a game. He's a great offensive rebounder in particular, gets a lot of rebounds on putbacks. Uh, he has similar weaknesses to Mitch's. Uh, he struggles defending like guards, and he really doesn't pass the ball at all. He had 54 assists in total in two college seasons, so he's not much of a passer, kind of like Mitch. But, uh, you know, he could shoot, and I think he's that's a good compliment when Mitch would come off the floor. I think it'd be nice to have him there. But, yeah, I, I like watching the kid. I think he's got a lot of potential. And uh, also, Isaiah Stewart from Washington I really like. Uh, not as much of a shooter, obviously, as Jalen Smith, but uh, kind of a bruiser, an old-school post player, another good shot blocker, 6'9 with a seven foot four wingspan. I thought that was really impressive. Uh, gr- another great rebounder. I think the potential for a shot is there. Like not a shot now, but 77% free throw shooter in college. So the potential is there. Uh, and he's just a bruiser who's fun to watch. I think he'd be a, become quickly a fan favorite. 6'9", 250, and he's only 19 years old. Plenty of time to improve. He'd become a fan favorite in New York immediately. And I think he'd be a, a steal if they got like the 28th pick, a guy like that. One thing I wanted to throw in there about Stewart too, like a, a kind of like a cool tidbit um, when I was doing a little bit of research on him. So his coach, I, I forget who was interviewing him. Um, and they were talking about Stewart, right? It, like his motor is insane. Like yeah. he, he is the workaholic of workaholics in the NCAA. But I thought great an show. interesting thing that, uh, yeah, great show. Yeah. That is cool. <laughs> Plug in uh, workaholics. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's like the his coach was asked about him and he said that you know opposing coaches would essentially say to him and he said multiple opposing coaches said 
that Isaiah Stewart was the best player that we played against all year. Like, like, you know, not necessarily the most skilled, but the most impactful. And I think Mm -hmm. that speaks volumes when you start thinking about, you know, what type of role is, is the guy going to play? And when you're in the late first round too, if if you can't add a super skilled um, prospect to your squad, like you want a plus guy, right? Like you want someone who's going to, get maybe into the the second rotation and just be a guy that um, helps the lead grow or cuts into the deficit. And like, he's going to be one of those guys where, all right, he's maybe not making highlight real plays. Uh, and I think he, he will like, cause of that wingspan that Chip was talking about, but he's going to be a guy that, you know, NBA analytics, Twitter is going to be like, Oh wait, but look, you know, this team is, plus whatever possessions on the court better when, when he's there, like that's going to be Isaiah Stewart. So I guess kind of jumping off your guys' points about, you know, Stewart, you know, um, and then, you know, just some of the wings, not necessarily point guards. I was thinking of a kind of interesting thing, just part, part of this is because I'm just big East mindset. So this guy has been kind of like on my radar and he's really like in between where like, Nick's lottery and you know Nick's late how about a trade of like the 27 and Kevin Knox to move up to and I I honestly have no idea if this if any team would actually take this I'm I'm not great at at those kind of trade hypotheticals or whatever but like that pick and Knox to move up until like the mid-teens late teens and go with uh Sadiq Bey from Villanova he shoots a three about as well as anyone in college did last year. He's probably more of like a small forward than a power forward, but I think he definitely projects as someone who can play, you know, small ball four at the next level. Cause he already, he can cover one through four, you know, on sw- on switchy type defenses, things like that. I think he could be, you know, kind of that, that perfect three and D wing that the Knicks have been looking for. And, you know, just, not that I, I hate Knox or I think he's not going to be great or anything like that, but I think about how, you know, the three, I think the three of us, we were all, uh, I actually, I don't, I don't know how, how we were, we were talking about it before the, before Knox was drafted, but I know there was a lot of talk about, um, oh geez, uh, the Villanova, I'm blanking on his name out of oh, nowhere. Oh, Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, yeah, Mc, thank you, Mikhail yeah. Bridges. Oh. I'm, yeah, I'm looking at Sadiq Bay, and that was the only name that popped in my head. But, um, yeah, so Mikhail Bridges, like, thinking back on that, you know, it's it's like that, you know, that that 3 and D player from Villanova who you know, like, was in a great program in college. Well, not that Knox wasn't. But, you know, coming from Villanova, like, those guys, they come into the league, like, fairly ready to play, like, ready to just, you know, join that second rotation and become an impact player type. You know, Bridges, I mean, through two seasons – Bridges is obviously the better player than Knox. So it's almost like thinking, you know, can you write that wrong, uh, you know, from a, from a few years ago. And I think Sadiq Bey, you know, if he shoots as well as he did in college and he can defend, you know, as, as ferociously as he did at Nova, I think having him on the Knicks is just something, uh, something in my Big East mindset would, would love to see. So it's a do-over? Yeah, replacing Knox, replacing Knox with what you were hoping he would turn into, and what it yeah. doesn't look like he's going to turn into. Yeah, exactly. A three and then, and D guy. So you basically traded you traded Marcus Morris and Kevin Knox for Sadiq Bay. I think I would take that. 
Is Sadiq Bey's ceiling higher than Bridges, as you think? He's, I think, yeah, because he's a little – I guess I mean, Bridges, what, he was a junior when he left? Bay is yeah, a – It was a red shirt. I think he might have been a red shirt. Is, oh, okay. As well. Like, that was yeah, the yeah. part about – like, I, dude, I'm, I was always kicking myself because I was a big Bridges guy. Um, and I think I even wrote an article for ESNY that I, that I, I wanted him. And then when we took Knox, like, you know, I started to come around to the idea. I was like, listen, Knox is so young. You know, if we're picking eighth in the draft, we got to go with upside. We got we to gotta swing for the fences. But, man, you know, I mean, listen, Bridges' numbers aren't, like, insane. But yeah, you, they're not fantastic. But, but you start to see – Better though, than Kevin like, Knox, though. Yeah, well, not only that, but you start to see that, like, He's going to be good on a good team too, man. Like he's much better defender than yeah, us. Like, that's, and it's night and day not, on that side. That's not surprising though. I mean, that was the, the knock on bridges though, was that his uh, potential was low, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, was like, he was as good as he was. Yeah. He was, he was like a high floor, you know, lower ceiling yeah. and Knox was, yeah. you know, the exact opposite, which I'm, I'm not, you know, I mean, Knox, what is he? 21 years old. He's still got, tons of time but i i think kind of like looking back on that um and you know i didn't i didn't hammer it at the time you know i think i agree with you jeff sometimes you gotta at that spot you gotta go with upside over you know the the high floor guy but kind of looking back on it now i think you definitely would have you know we all i mean we all would have taken shea gil gilgis alexander if we had another chance at it but yeah (laughs) but i think you know bridges was one of those guys who was very closely linked to the knicks and they ended up going with knox which if if they can get a do-over um who knows maybe maybe bay is the uh that that do-over they're looking for i think it could have been like you know not well i'm not gonna go um too much on bridges here but i think also too i think if we looked at the Knicks core right now and substituted Knox out for bridges, uh, it wouldn't vault us up. Like I was looking, Sam Bessany had us, I think 19th in the league in terms of, um, you know, young cores around the NBA, like Mikel bridges would not um, like move the needle incredibly much, but think of how much better he would have actually been for RJ Barrett's development too, a little bit, you know, like spreading the floor, as like a reliable shooter um, and, you know, and actually Barrett's defense compared to what it looked like in college was actually impressive for me watching what we had um, from him on the Knicks this year. But as a, as a really good wing defender, Bridges would have helped in that area too. Um, but to go on Sadiq Bay, I'm, I'm interested in him. I actually have him uh, 21 on my big board. And I think, I think, People have him further up. I'm interested to see, like, how he does. I don't know that I'm very high on him, but you, you can't argue with 45% from three. The shot looks a little weird to me, and I don't know if I'm just not buying um, that it'll be the same. Like, he hits it, so who cares what it looks like, right? Um, it almost looks like Jaron Jackson Jr.'s a little bit. He's got crazy defensive versatility, Um He's 98th percentile spot up shooting. The only thing, like, he actually seems like a safe, and this is exactly what you're saying, Danny. Like, he seems like a safe pick with not a, and he definitely, when he's on the court, he seems like a hard worker. One thing that that kills me about him a little bit is, like, sometimes when he's driving the lane, it almost looks like he takes an extra dribble to get there. Like, his movements just seem slow to me. Um, So, you know, it's tough 
sometimes I guess for wings that I like, if they don't have that explosion, um, but he has a lot of other good stuff there too. Um, he's got a nice little turnaround hook when he gets into the paint. I think that's pretty decent as well. I don't know. I don't know if like, if I'm, if I'm trading Knox and the um, 27th pick, and this also assumes that, you know, Knox has a market out. There. I don't know what Knox's market out, out there. That's a good right point now. too. That's, yeah. That's we, we're not quite sure. Like, like if we traded Knox after the first two weeks of the season, when, when he was killing it on, he was coming off pin downs and just, you know, killing it for a little bit. And, and he was looking like a serviceable shooter. Um, who knows? But right now, um, I don't know that a lot of teams would be like super interested in giving up like the 15th pick for the 27th and Knox, but maybe, but maybe, I mean, he's still super, super young. So he does have that um, upside still there. He's still six, nine. He's still mm. super lanky. He's still very athletic. So th- that didn't go anywhere. Um, but if, but if we were targeting somebody in the, in the teens, I, I mean, it's tough. I, you know, some, some names, um, you know, another super small guard, but like a Tyrell Terry, Patrick Williams from Florida state is a guy that I really like. Um, but Sadiq Bey is really interesting, man. Like people, like you said, are going to sleep on him because he's not a crazy athlete, but he's going to be one of those guys that comes in and, and makes your team better. Yeah, I think, honestly, just kind of talk about this now, too. I'm getting, like, flashbacks to last year. Because last year I remember saying, you know, like, top three guys are really good after that, you know, draft is a fall-off. And I think this year a lot of what we're hearing is this year's draft sucks. You know, it's 2021 is the one. You never know because a lot of guys kind of emerged this season that you weren't expecting to be great rookies. And I think in retrospect, like I was one of the people saying it was it was top three guys and everyone else. In retrospect, there were a lot of good guys that kind of came out of this draft. I mean, think about, you know, just I'm spitting out random names here, but like Thibault came in, you know, instant impact, you know, as a defender type thing, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Clark was a guy, Rui Hachimuri. I know Hachimuri's defense is awful, but, you know, there was like a, a bunch of guys out there who it turned out, you know, it's like, okay, you know, there doesn't look like the draft class was as bad as we thought. If the Knicks, you know, if they, if they pick the right guy at 27 or they trade out, you know, whatever it may be, they might be able to find one of those, you know, kind of definitely not, you know, not going to be a Kawhi Leonard superstar that you find in the mid teens or anything like that. That's, that's really rare. But, uh, you know, if they can find a guy who can be a solid contributor, that's that's exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, but everybody talks about Brandon Clark. Didn't he play at Gonzaga? Like he wasn't exactly a diamond in the rough prospect. Well, right? I think I I meant diamond in the rough more so like guys who you know didn't go like in the you know the top five of the draft, like guys who. Right, right, right. And, you know, I, I'm, maybe I'm misremembering, but I felt like last year everyone was like, oh, after, you know, Barrett, Ja, and Zion, there's really no one worth, you know, worth your time almost. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating, obviously, to a certain extent, but, like, I think there were more, more guys that kind of came out of not nowhere, but that kind of played better than people expected them well, what about No, Duncan it was definitely Robinson. a good pick. Duncan Robinson, that was – yeah, the Heat, yeah. Rob was Robinson. This was his second year, I think. Yeah, um, Kendrick oh, Nunn. Kendrick Nunn. Yeah, yeah, Kendrick, Kendrick Nunn. Nunn. Kendrick Nunn yeah, yeah, that's a good one, Nunn. Um, yeah, I'm now. I'm gonna look up the draft just because. Uh, 
No, there were definitely yeah. there were definitely a couple. Or, or um, what about um, Devonte Graham? Yeah, Devonte Graham. That's a good one. Devonte Graham. This oh, he's, second year. He was second year too. Right? Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah. Was he G League? Well, yeah. That see, I'm I'm thinking. Yeah, Brandon Clark. He went 21. Fibol went 20. Uh, who else is in there? Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah, great. He didn't have a great year, but. Eric Pascal played a lot for the Warriors. Yeah, Pascal, that's that's another one. Um, yeah, there were a few. There were a few guys kind of like mixed in there who just kind of I feel like surprised. And essentially, you know, you, there's going to be more misses than hits when you're going at 27 and those later picks, especially when people say the draft isn't so strong. But there's always a chance that you can, you know, you can grab kind of uh, you know a, a big time contributor. And, oh, and you know, uh, Brent Williams went 22nd to the Celtics. He played he, – did oh, he yeah. start at one point this year? Yeah, yeah. He played a lot. Brent Williams, yeah. yeah. He was even – I mean, he's yeah. a little tiny for a small ball center, but he even played, yeah, yeah little small ball center. So, you know, those those 20 and above, occasionally, you you know, occasionally you hit on the right guys and stuff. Um, it's not the craziest thing to happen. I mean, the Knicks – or uh, whatchamacallit, the Nets – I know Claxton, he was a second rounder technically, and he didn't play. He looks like a guy. He didn't play much. But, yeah, he looks like he looks like a good player. I mean, it's, you know, it's all about getting, like, rotation. If you get a rotation player at this part in the draft, it's a win. You know, you can yeah. check off a win. If you get a starter, that's incredible. If you get, you know, anything better than that, I think that's like, you know, once you're hitting that kind of like Kawhi Leonard, you know, Giannis, you know, if you get any better than that, that's kind of like really rare. But you know, essentially, if you can get a rotation yeah. player, I think that's all you can ask for at that at that spot. Yeah, at twenty eight, if you get a rotation player, that's good. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I mean, you see, you see it all the time. The Nets did it last year. Like teams trade out of that spot because they don't want to pay the guaranteed contracts. Where you know the Nets traded out to just basically clear cap room. So you know. Same thing kind of maybe with, uh, you know, the Clippers. I know obviously they had, you know, they have championship aspirations, so that's why they wanted to bring Morrison. But at the same time, now they don't have to pay, you know, a rookie that probably isn't yeah. going to play at all. They don't have to pay him just to sit on the bench, essentially. Now they can pay a second-round salary instead. You could exactly. trade back. Yeah, and then, you know, Which, you got no guarantees there or anything, so you mm. way more flexible. Which Leon Rose may want to do. Depending on how he goes, we don't know yet. He may want to I, trade back. I think that's possible, but the only reason why I think they wouldn't is just because the books are pretty clear. Um, where if you you know if you if you have to if you have to trade him or waive him after year one or whatever, obviously guys don't want to do that. But there's there's ways they can get out of that contract, and I don't think I, I think they're going to take chances on talent with the picks they have. Um, I think so. But again, you you know, to just to your point, Knicks are picking what thirty eighth, you know, pretty early yeah. in the second round too. So it's you know, it's not like obviously there is a difference between twenty eight and thirty eight, but it's not like it's you know a crazy crazy drop into the bottom of the second round. Yeah. If, if do you they, think uh, they'll? Oh, sorry. No, no, I was just kind of. Rambling. Do you? Yeah. Do you think they'll use six twenty eight and thirty eight? If their first three picks, whatever they end up being, I think so. I mean, do you think though? Yeah, I, I yeah. think so. Even even if it maybe, and I don't think they're going to trade up. 
I, like at, at it with 28. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I, I don't know. Just my gut feeling right now is that they'll pick, you know, six, 20, you know, whatever. And then 38 too. I, my gut feeling tells me that, that the Knicks will make all those picks. Yeah, I think so too. I'm not sure if all of them will be on a team next year, but that it depends a lot on how Rose, I guess, feels about guys like Dotson and Brasdakis. So, and like you said, I mean, if there's any young prospect that's going to be traded on draft night, it would be Knox, I think. I think Nilakina is less likely to be traded than Knox. Mm-hmm. So, I think, I think Nilakina might get traded, but I think he would be a guy that would be more like a, you know, a trade for a star type than, you know, just, I don't, I think the Knicks have, at least it sounds like they've moved past the point where they're like, their draft night comes and they're like, all right, who wants Frank Nilakina? We'll trade him for anything you got. Like, I think they're past that point a little bit. Well, here's the thing, like the OKC with Chris Paul thing, OKC is a team that's always competing for the playoffs. So they don't want Kevin Knox. They want Frank Nilakina, right? Like yeah. Frank, uh, a, play, a playoff team wants Frank Nilakina so he can play immediately right, and contribute. Like a, a rebuilding team would say, okay, we'll take a chance on Kevin Knox and see if he can become a guy somewhere down the road. That's that, a good I point. Mean, and if, right? if somebody's yeah. trading a, a disgruntled star, more often than not, they're, they're turning into a rebuild rather than, you know, like yeah. um, kind of what, you know, uh, I guess what the uh, – uh, yeah, the, the Thunder aren't a great example because they kind like they were like yeah the build but then it, quickly they weren't like but it's yeah. like it is it's the like Thunder are always going to be competitive yeah, yeah but it just a, feels it is, like the Thunder will always be yeah. competitive and it's like a half and now they have SGA half, who's yeah. young it's, yeah. yeah it's they 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 played that like about, what the Grizzlies about as well did. as possible yeah they uh, honestly yeah. just Oklahoma City's in good shape I think it looks like the Wizards are heading towards what you're describing yeah that yeah that's a good that's Beal a good he's gonna get all pissed off yeah like maybe beal to the nets who knows whatever yeah, i think wendy was talking about that on low post today when he was talking about the decision he was talking about dinwiddie and deandre mm-hmm. and all that oh my god if the if the nets not to I'll go off on a quick net stand because i know you were talking about that with ready for nolan it. on your podcast just if the if Dinwiddie doesn't go to Orlando, and then should the Nets? I know this may sound crazy. Should the Nets try and get out of going to Orlando? That's, should should yeah. they? Because what would be the point of going? Because they're gonna. Well, I mean, there is a possibility they could miss out on the playoffs without Dinwiddie. I mean, it, it's the Karis Levert show, and that's just unfair to Levert. And with his injury history, he's got to be pressing. And do they really want that? And I mean, I, I if I was Brooklyn, I wouldn't want to go. That's you actually. You're saying exactly what Nolan said last night. We did like a uh, quote unquote emergency okay. podcast, and I definitely see why that like why people would would think that way. But the flip side for me is that NBA players who are like fringe guys only get a certain amount of chances to prove that they deserve a spot. They deserve a roster with, you know, somewhere they have, you know, Chris Chioza, uh, Luau Cabarro, Justin Anderson, like the, the guys that they're going to sign to fill in for Jordan and, you know, maybe Dinwiddie, those guys, they deserve, you know, if they want to play, like, obviously if they, if all the nets say we're out, then 
nothing they can do. But if those like fringe guys want to play, I think they deserve a shot to go and at least, you know, see what happens. Cause let's say Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie, he does play. If, if Dinwiddie plays Dinwiddie and Levert, like they at least have a backcourt with a puncher's chance to, to kind of at least maybe win one game against the Raptors in a, you know, in a playoff yeah. series, which yeah. obviously that's not great, but I think uh, Dinwiddie you know, goes, they'll be fine. They'll make the playoffs. Yeah. Fine. If Dinwiddie goes, they'll make the yeah. playoffs. If he doesn't, then it's going to be dicey. Yeah, it could be it really good, but I guess it would be uh, kind of messed up if Justin Anderson just signed with them and then they didn't go, I guess that would be pretty weird, but I don't know. It's, it's I mean, a like, like a guy like, yeah, a guy like Joe Harris has nothing to prove. I feel like he doesn't really need to do anything. And he's a like free Davis agent. Bertans just, yeah. Davis Bertans just sat, just sat out and Joe Harris has proven more than Davis Bertans. So. Yeah, no, it's, as it's a weird, weird situation, but if the Nets do choose to like all the Nets say we're out, we're not playing. Would they go to, to the, uh, you guys heard about the delete eight from, uh, like it's like the eight teams that didn't make the eight teams that no. didn't make the bubble. They're thinking about doing a secondary bubble with those eight teams play against each other, which they're talking about with the Nick, like, cause the Knicks actually reportedly are one of the teams who don't want to do it because they have so many free agents. It's like, well, you know, what, what do they do with Wayne Ellington, Taj Gibson, all these guys, but they're saying that there might be like a provision where, um, you know, they can sign G leaguers. So like they can sign guys from Westchester to fill in, which oh, I'll, I'll, for the, I'll, I'll watch Lamar Peters. Like, yeah, no, that's, I, I, yeah. I'm all for it, you know, cause I'd, I'd like to see, you know, some of the young guys, I think, especially, you know, Frank, RJ, Mitch Knox, like those guys, it would be good for them to play. Um, but it's very different watching the Knicks in like a, you know, basically a scrimmage exhibition thing play G leaguers as opposed to watching the Nets, you know, play in the NBA playoffs with, you know, maybe Justin Anderson starting at the the three or, you know, whatever it is. I think there's a big difference there. That'd be sad. I mean, after he's been out for how long has he been out for? Who's that? Anderson has, hasn't he been out of the league for a while? Uh, he was, he signed with the Nets. He played in three games, like complete garbage time this year um he actually remember when he was he was with the wizards earlier this year and got yeah, cut by them because the he was the uh, yeah marcus morris with the uh smacked him in the head with oh the ball. yeah 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 and got, he got kicked out of the uh the uh whatchamacallit but yeah no he's yeah. he's been anderson's been in the league but like 48 games with the Hawks last year. He averaged under 10 minutes a game was with Philly for a couple. Like he's, he's just, he's never played significant minutes outside of a short stint with Philly. Um, So yeah, he's just, he's a guy who's probably on his last legs in the league. You know, like if, if it doesn't work in Brooklyn, he, he may not be, you know, long for the NBA anymore. Yeah. He played in college with Joe Harris, right? Yeah, they were they were teammates yeah. together. I think he put up an yeah. Instagram today of the two of them actually. Um but yeah, I guess we're kind of we're kind of going off the rails here. Uh just kind of bringing it back to Nick's draft stuff. Do do we have any final thoughts on kind of this uh this Clippers pick that um I think we're all kind of in agreement that if they don't go with a point guard at the top of the draft, they should probably go with one of these kind of um 
experienced, you know, decent shooter types, or maybe like a Trey Jones with, uh, you know, his defense and his basketball IQ. Mm -hmm. I think we're kind of all in agreement there. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we are also diving into some of the wings and bigger guys. Um, it dep I mean, it depends on what happens with the with the top pick for all that. But um, any final thoughts from you guys on uh, on on this Clippers pick? Um, yeah, I think, so. I think two other guys that um, I I would be really interested in, and one I've seen like. It's not too much of a secret anymore, but Desmond Bain from TCU. It's been talked about a lot on Nick's Twitter. I know um, Spencer Perlman is really, really big on him. He can shoot. He's a really good defender. That's definitely a guy I think um, we would want to target. Another guy uh, that played for uh, Barcelona, Leandro Bomaro, is a, a guy to keep an eye on for sure. A, a not super athletic, but really crafty ball handler. Very, very good vision. Um, just guys with skill sets that I feel like we would really want to add to the team because they're going to open up and make things better for the Knicks and the current players that they have on the squad. So those are, those are especially when you start talking about like end of first round, second round, I think those are the types of characteristics you want. Yeah, actually – Desmond Bain, I, I didn't bring him up, but he was a guy who I was kind of looking at a little bit, you know, doing some research for the show. I think kind of falls in that same category. Anyone who can shoot the three and open up space for RJ and, you know, Mitch inside and things like that can be huge for this team. Uh, so with, I guess with that, uh, we'll kind of wrap this up. Thanks again uh, for listening. Jeff, I don't know if it's, it probably won't be next week, but, you know, down the line, we'll definitely do probably like some second round guys. We've got, uh, you know, keeping an eye on things. Um, so when we do that, we'll definitely, we'll definitely have you back on to do a little bit more draft talk. Um, but that's all we got for you guys today. Thanks again for listening to the Nick's State of Mind podcast. Uh, listen, bleh, listen, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Follow us on Twitter and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks again.